to Kinship Connects, a podcast from SDA Kinship, sharing our stories and our journeys. My name is Floyd Pönitz, and today it's my great privilege to speak with Dr. Samuel Peng. And we invite you to join, uh, join us today as we go on a journey uh, with Samuel and discovering his, his connection with kinship and uh, what he's doing today. So Samuel, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, we've talked about it. And uh, so I know you have a busy schedule and I'm glad that you took some time out today to, to be with us. So uh, tell us just a little bit for those, uh, those in kinship probably know you very well already. And those who are maybe not familiar with kinship, uh, tell us who you are, where you're located, that kind of thing. Okay, I, um, uh, I am a physician. Um, and I have been living in the Boston area since 1993. Um, and I have a you know busy uh, practice here. My specialty is reproductive medicine. Um, I'm currently with uh, the IVF center called Boston IVF, which is one of the largest IVF centers uh, in the country. Um, and uh, that's where I am. Cool, cool, cool. And I live here with my husband and two sons. Uh -huh. um, my older son uh, is uh, actually 17 today. It's his birthday. Wow. Happy birthday um, to him. Yeah. And my younger son is uh, 13. He turned 13 in July this summer. Awesome. 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 And we'll, we'll maybe touch on them just a little bit later as well. But that's, can't believe where the years have gone. You and I have known each other for a long time. I think at one point you lived in Southern California. I did. Um, I, I did my graduate school at uh, UCLA. So I was in um, Southern California in the Los Angeles area in the late 80s. Yeah, yeah. You see, when I first joined Kinship, even before I went to a camp meeting or anything like that, I came to a board meeting and that, that I believe was at your house. Uh, in Southern California. And that right. was my very first exposure to any person, physical person or whatever from, from SDA kinship. So, uh, so yeah, we've had a long history. And uh, so, so yeah, but I wanna take this back even farther back to when you were little toddling around there. Uh, where did you, where were you born? Where did you grow up? Uh, what was, what was your home like, home life like? Sure. Um... I was born and raised in Singapore, um, and um, uh, I left Singapore when I was 16 years old. Mm. Um, I grew up in, a, in an Adventist family. My uh, parents uh, were both devout Seventh-day Adventists. My father, um, as a child, my father uh, grew up, I believe he grew up Anglican. But when he met my mother, he converted to Adventism. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was growing up, my father was the chaplain uh, at the hospital there, the Youngberg Memorial Adventist Hospital. Okay. Um, and my mother, uh, who trained as a midwife, worked as a nurse at the hospital. Um, eventually, my father became a church pastor. After working uh, for a few years at the Voice of Prophecy, he became a church pastor. And so I, you know, grew up um, being a pastor's kid. Wow. Wow. Okay. And all the responsibilities that, and challenges that come with that. 
yes yeah yeah and you Um, grew up in a medical family so you were always around medical field type of things yeah that's correct both since both my parents uh worked in a hospital setting that was sort of we lived in that area and um it was sort of in my environment okay okay and so you grew up in an Adventist community as well yes yes it was a very closed Adventist community um you know I went to an Adventist school the Seventh-day Adventist school um you know from first grade all the way through high school um and uh you know, attend a church, and it was all very tightly knit Adventist community. Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm about to ask you what brought you and your family over at the age of 16 to the U.S., but before that, did you already figure out that there was something different about you? Yes, I think okay. that, um, you know, by the time I was six or seven, yeah. I knew that I was different. I um, I wasn't attracted to to girls um, as, well, let me rephrase that. I would say that, you know, I was, I was uh, more curious about boys than girls. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so, by the time I was nine or ten or eleven, uh, it became clear to me that I was, you know, as as I was starting puberty, I started um, realizing that I was, you know, sexually and romantically and fantasizing about boys as opposed to girls, mm-hmm. um, and that was very different. And so I was, um, you know puzzled by this and also did a lot of reading in the school library. Um, And of course, everything that I read uh, told me that I was um, a pervert and sinful. And so it became um, something that I had to sort of hide deep inside myself and never shared with anybody. Yeah, and it was probably not a, a common topic there in the church in Singapore or anything like that? It it was never, I, I don't think that I ever heard it mentioned, homosexuality mm-hmm. or anything like that. Uh-huh. The, the way that I attached that label to myself was from reading because I realized that I was different and so I started reading. Yeah, yeah, it checked all the boxes for you, the description right. that you were reading about, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did your parents find out about or did you share with anyone while you were in Singapore? No, I, I did not share with anybody. It, it was a deep secret that I kept inside. Okay, okay, okay. So then jumping forward then to the age of 16, what brought you uh, to a so new country? I have two older brothers who, um, after they graduated high school, they uh, moved to Canada, to Montreal actually for college. And after they graduated college, um, they decided not to return to Singapore. And so that was when my family decided that we didn't want the family to be split Mm. between two continents. And Mm -hmm. um, the timing worked out because my dad was offered the pastorship at the Vancouver Chinese Seventh-day Adventist Church. 
Oh. And so that's how we moved um, from Singapore to Vancouver, Canada. And my dad was the pastor there for over 20 years. Wow. Wow. Okay. So okay. I continued being a PK in Vancouver. Uh -huh. um, uh -huh. Yeah. Did you like BC? I love BC. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, it, it's a very beautiful place. I went to college and medical school there. Okay. Um, and after medical school was when I left home uh, to do my internship and residency in Toronto. And okay. after that, I moved to Los Angeles for my uh, graduate training in um, reproductive medicine mm -hmm. um, and then moved to Boston where I've been for 29 years. Wow, wow, great, great. So yeah, so so you've moved uh, from Vancouver to Toronto. You were kind of on your own for the first time, is that right, when you were in Toronto? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I will confess that one of the reasons that I chose to move far away for my mm -hmm. internship and residency was so that I could um, get away and sort of come out. <clears throat> in a sense, because right. I had to remain strictly closeted while living in Vancouver with my father being the church pastor there. Right. Um, but uh, that's also when I started um, becoming uh, involved with kinship, shall we say. Mm -hmm. um, the, the year that I um, graduated from medical school was also the year when I discovered kinship through a spectrum magazine. Oh, okay. So just, that's how you found out. Okay. It was 1982, 1983. Okay. Um, and they had just published the, I think there were three articles on uh, homosexuality and the, the kinship camp meeting that they had just had in 1980. Right. Um, and so that's where I discovered the existence of kinship. Um, I wrote to kinship. Uh, thankfully, there was an address for contact there. Yeah. Um, and the secretary of kinship at the time, Doug Oda, wrote me back uh, a very nice, long, personal, handwritten letter and sent me a lot of information. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and I was about to... Uh, do an elective in my medical school for eight weeks uh, in, at Loma Linda. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I was there, they, they happened to be uh, a kinship board meeting at the home of Ben Pickell okay. in the yeah. desert. Uh -huh. I believe this was in 1983. Wow. Um, and um, they arranged for Dennis Grau to drive me. He, he picked me up in Loma Linda where I was staying um, uh -huh. and drove me uh, to uh, Ben Pickel's home. Mm -hmm. And that was my first meeting with real life. Wow. Also a board meeting experience like mine. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what did you think? Did you feel like this is my tribe or were you kind of hesitant and no, I, I immediately felt like I have found my family. This is, yeah. this is where I belong. 
Um, and everybody was, you know, very open, um, very welcoming. Um, and it was just such a good feeling. It was such a heavy burden off my shoulders that I wasn't the only gay Adventist in the world and right. that there are all these other people who are gay Adventists. Yeah. Um, and then they told me about camp meeting. Mm -hmm. um, and so August of 1983, uh, so I graduated from medical school in, in May of 83, moved to Toronto. And then in August of 83, I attended my first uh, kinship camp meeting. Okay. And it okay. was in Pennsylvania at that time. Yeah. Uh, Pottstown, Pennsylvania, or something like that. Boylestown, okay. Pennsylvania. Um, that was in Cullen it, Cook's was, backyard, wasn't it? Sort it, of. Right. It wasn't too yeah. far away. Yeah. 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 Um, and um, so it it was it was like like you said, I found my tribe. I found my people, and I felt very very comfortable mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. spending a week with with you know, all these other gay Adventists, which was awesome. quite remarkable. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, you grew up in a conservative Adventist environment. You grew up in an Asian culture, which is another layer of conservatism. conservatism. Right. So, you know, so that was very difficult dealing with being gay and feeling different and not knowing anyone else to, to share with. Uh, right. So before you read that Spectrum article, had you run into other Adventist gay people? Nope. Not at all. So that was your very first uh, contact or inkling that there were others out there like you. Well, um, well, let me, you know, at, at the Adventist church, there was, uh, there was a scandal. Okay. Um, there was a, a, a teacher at the Adventist high school uh, or academy there. Mm -hmm. Lake Academy at the time who um, I don't know the details of it um, but apparently there was some kind of a note that was found in his pocket of the, his jacket and that outed him uh, he had two sons who were teenagers um, and so I, I heard the buzz about that and I thought oh you know mm -hmm. there's I'm not the only person but right. I didn't know this man. Uh, yeah. I, I was about the same age as his teenage sons. Okay. Um, and there was a lot of uh, buzz and gossip and scandal going on. Uh, but that was about it. Right, right. So there, I think there's always been a scandal in the Adventist church regarding the topic of LGBT. And it's always been swept under the carpet as quickly as possible. Right. So. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's not surprising. And this is this is back in the late seventies. Oh yeah, yeah. And early eighties. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so yeah, exactly. So you you were introduced to kinship, and at some point, I think, I mean, you've always been a wonderful supporter of kinship throughout the years. So uh, I want to say thank you for that. That's that's great, and your participation and and uh, with kinship and the board and things. Uh, but at one point, I think you actually helped start uh, a kinship yes. in Canada, right? Yes, so, I did. I was living in Toronto. I lived in Toronto for five years. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, from 83 to 88. Um, and as I stated, you know, when I went to kinship camp meeting the first time, I realized that this is where I belong. This is my home. Yeah. Um, and yeah. 
I vowed to keep attending every camp meeting. And, and I think for the next 20 years or so, I attended every camp meeting mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there was to attend every year right. Uh, right. because it was like, you know, a, a family reunion every year. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I also said, you know, there's got to be other gay people in Canada. So I uh, worked really hard to try and organize um, a kinship chapter, shall we say, mm -hmm. in Canada. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I registered Kinship Canada as a nonprofit organization um, and um, connected with a handful of people, two or three people in uh, the Toronto area and, you know, got that going. Um, but then, of course, it came to an end when I had to leave Toronto to move to Los Angeles. I handed that over to uh, some other people who were in Toronto and um, I don't know what happened, but it kind of didn't get uh, yeah. continued for many years. And I don't know what's happening up there at this point in time. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, you know, with the, with the legalities behind creating a, a nonprofit and an organization like that, you know, there's a lot of paperwork to file and it takes dedicated people to, to continue that. And right. uh, so in Canada, uh, I mean, the nonprofit went away, but we still have a great group up in Canada, uh, you know, uh, an, East, an East Coast uh, group and a West Coast group. And uh, so, so yeah, it's great. And uh, so, yeah, uh, for the for the time that I was there, I would do all the paperwork and the filings and everything. Yeah. But I couldn't keep doing that once I moved away, so exactly. I had to delegate that to somebody right, else. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that came back under the umbrella of Kinship International, and right. uh, so so yeah. So thanks for starting that though in Canada. I know the people. Uh, that are listening to this now that live in Canada will be thankful for uh, your hard work back then in, in creating that chapter. I tried. Um, yeah, hey, and that's that's what we're all doing. We're a lot of volunteers and uh, and doing the best to spread spread the word. So, so yeah, yeah. Uh, and like I said, you've kept in touch. Uh, you never did the change ministry things, did you? No, I did not. That was a good Thankfully, thing. Thankfully, right? I did not. Right. Yeah, yeah. Was that something that just never interested you? I mean, you felt confident well, that I didn't know about it until I um, went to camp meeting in '83, and that was the first. Well, actually, I take that back because in the Spectrum article they had talked about the, the change ministries thing with Colin Cook, mm -hmm. so I I was aware of that, um, but you know. I, I think I was smarter than to, to fall for that. Um, yeah. You know, I was already ready to graduate medical school, and I I knew better than to to get involved in the change ministry. Good. Um, Good. I yeah. was just re I was actually um, ready to come out, mm -hmm. but I couldn't um, in Vancouver because my dad was the pastor of the church there. Right. And right. so I needed to get away to come out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what I did. So how was that process? Because I said, you know, there were several layers for you there. And for a lot of us, you know, we have several layers of coming out, the Adventists, the family, the whatever. Uh, 
you know, was it met with uh, a lot of resistance or did they say, hey, Samuel, we, we love you and that's okay? Well, uh, I was very fortunate <clears throat> because, um, you know, after about being involved with Kinship for about maybe three years or so, um, I think um, I think it was 1986 that I went back to Vancouver for my grandmother's funeral. And that's when I came out to my parents. Uh -huh. um, and um, my, I came out to my dad, not to my mom. Um, his response in a nutshell was, um, I don't understand why you have chosen this lifestyle, but you are my son and I will always love you. Um, and so I realized that he needed education. Um, I assumed that he shared it with my mom, but he did not. Um, and then so I started uh, sending my parents books. Um, I signed them up for the Kinship Connection so that they would see what kinship was about and all of that. Um, and then my mom suddenly said, what's going on? And then my dad had to tell her that I had come out to him. Um, and then I had to have a conversation with my mom. <clears throat> and she was also very loving and accepting. Um, she said that you are my son, I will always love you. Um, but her concern was that I was going to uh, contract AIDS and die. So you have mm. to remember this was in the late 80, mid to late 80s right. uh, when this was all going on. And I had to reassure her that, you know, I was smart enough not to protect myself um, and that she didn't have to worry about that. Okay. So good, good, good. So they, they became supportive of you, maybe not fully understanding the whole everything about it, but they, they were supportive of their son. That's yeah. correct. They, and that's all I could ask for that they, yeah. you know, I had heard of other horror stories of parents disowning their children. And I was expecting that that could happen, uh, mm -hmm. but it did not. They, they okay. embraced me and said, you know, we don't understand this, but you're our son and we will always love you, which yeah. was good. And I, I, you know, was very um, grateful for that reaction. Mm -hmm. And I said, what I need to do is I need to educate them. And yep. so that's when I started sending them books, uh, sign them up for Kinship Connection, which they received, mm -hmm. you know, for years. Right. Um, and by the time um, I met and got married to my husband. Um, they were fully supportive. They both attended Good. the wedding. Wow, in that's a big step. My yeah. entire family was at our wedding. Wow, great. Um, and at the wedding reception, um, you know, we had like 240 guests at the wedding. Mm -hmm. At the wedding reception, my dad came up to me as I was speaking and with the mic and said, is it okay if I say a few words? And I uh -oh. panicked because <laughs> it wasn't in the plans and I didn't know what he was going to say. Sure. Um, and when he took the mic, he said, the first words out of his mouth were, 
I want everybody here to be to know that I'm very proud of my son. Mm. And with that statement, you know, everybody in the room started crying because yeah. it yeah. was back in 2003. Mm -hmm. um, this coming from an Adventist pastor. Yeah. Um, attending his son's wedding to another man. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we actually, Andrew and I, as as background had a church wedding mm -hmm. um so okay. we had, it was at a congregational church where his family attended okay um and we had a, a minister do a very very traditional church uh -huh. wedding it nice. was and there were actually a lot of kinship people who were invited and attended yeah. our wedding yeah awesome awesome that's that's yeah quite a heartwarming story there uh, that is good to hear. Good to hear. And that leads me to my to my next question. Um, one of the questions I always get uh, from new members or from members period is, how do I find a partner? Or I'm looking for a partner, where can I find, you know, the love of my life or whatever. So are you wanting to share just a little bit about how you met your husband or I would be absolutely happy to do that. So, you know, uh, when I first um, became involved in kinship, uh, my fantasy was to get married to an Adventist man. Right. Um, and so I was hoping that I would meet and fall in love with somebody, uh, you know, through kinship. Right. Um, and I would say that I dated um, <clears throat> a few people through kinship, mm -hmm. um, but they ended up all being long distance. Right. And that just didn't work out very well. Yeah. Um, and long story short, you know, when I was in, when I was living in Boston here, uh, the only time I had contact with kinship was at camp meeting and you just mm -hmm. really that just wasn't it was a, a good place to meet friends but it wasn't really a, a source of meeting a life partner sure, sure. Um, and so I started saying okay you know this is a fantasy but I'm gonna have to widen my net uh -huh. um, and so I started dating non-adventist people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and um that was how I met my husband. Um, okay. There was a group here in the Boston area of group of professionals who um, get together for you know socialization, mm -hmm. um, and so that was how I met Andrew. Cool, cool. And that was what almost twenty years ago, or right? I first met him in nineteen ninety. Eight, I think, or ninety nine. Ah, okay, so over um, twenty. And um, but at the time he was dating somebody else, so um, he kept my card that I gave him, and um, and after that relationship broke up, he called me, and we mm -hmm. started dating, and then we eventually got married. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. That's great. That's great. It's good to hear these stories of, of long-term relationships that, that are lasting. And um, yeah, yeah. So that's great. That's great. We're, we're proving the, uh, the people wrong that, that always spew the hate 
hate rhetoric to us about you know relationships don't last and absolutely et cetera, et cetera. so so yeah i mean one of the things that uh andrew and i shared in common was that we wanted to have a family mm -hmm. um and so after we got married uh we started working on having a family okay um, and okay. since i had been treating other gay men mm -hmm. um with egg donation and gestational surrogacy to help them have their family. Uh -huh. um, after we married, it was a simple step for us to do that ourselves. Right, um, right. And that is how we ended up with two sons. Awesome. Um, who is now 17 and who are now 17 and 13. Yeah, awesome. And we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that a little bit more next time. And uh, so, this is Kinship Awareness Month. So, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure that people are aware of kinship and all that it offers. And do you have any advice for someone who's queer and Adventist and, uh, you know, thinking about coming out or not sure if they should join kinship or that kind of thing? Any words of wisdom for them? Well, all I can say is, you know, my own experience with mm -hmm. kinship has been a blessing okay. um, because with my background being raised in a conservative Asian Adventist family, um, I was really struggling with mm -hmm. my identity mm -hmm. um, and kinship literally saved my life in the sense that it opened up this whole new world to me. Wow, yeah. Um, and attending all the early camp meetings, being able to speak with the um, Adventist clergy who were invited mm -hmm. to participate. Um, I had, you know, this realization that, you know, I'm not, the 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 bad person that right right um i was led to believe yeah yeah um and that i can be a healthy productive person and live a healthy um life yeah. and have a family exactly uh, and that is exactly what i aim to do and that mm -hmm. is exactly what i have um accomplished and i would say without boasting that you know i have demonstrated mm -hmm. that you know gay people can have a very successful uh professional life and a very successful family life and exactly. build a family um just like anybody else yeah exactly there's nothing broken about being a rainbow person other than the the downtrodding that church and society puts upon us and and tries to break us but uh, right. so yeah yeah so dr samuel peng thank you so much for sharing with us today and uh, we're gonna have some more with you later so we ask our listeners to stay tuned because there's going to be another episode but for right now thanks for sharing with us today and we hope that today's podcast was interesting and has given our listeners some things to think about. 
Seventh-day Adventist Kinship is the only LGBTQIA plus affirming community for current and former Adventists. And we welcome not only the Rainbow Alphabet members, but also parents and family members who wanna learn more about how to support their loved ones, as well as supportive allies who stand with us and stand up for us to make a difference in our church and our world. You can check out us, you can check us out on the web at sdakinship.org or you can follow us on social media at SDA Kinship. And if you have any questions or comments, we always love to hear from you. You can email me info at sdakinship.org. And we look forward to having you with us on the next podcast where we find out more about Dr. Samuel Pang. So thanks again. Remember this is Kinship Awareness Month. So be sure and share and spread the news about kinship. Thank you very much. Thank you.